step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. And the first songs we did are good, but the songs we are writing even now, they're just getting better. <laughs> Welcome to the Dreams of Consciousness podcast. If you'd be so kind, would you mind introducing yourself? Oh, my name is Fern. I'm the bass player of Deathgrave. And Fern, how would you describe the music of Deathgrave? It's typically classified as death grind, I guess. It's got some death metal elements, but it's definitely grind. It also has some noise and punk. Any, you know, everybody does that with their bands. So it's like it's so hard to classify. So it it's grindcore. Mostly fast? Yeah, mostly fast. There's definitely slow parts. But for the most part, there's a lot of blast beats. And who came up with the name Deathgrave? That'd be Greg, our guitar player. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing the name was mostly tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, definitely. We had all the all these stupid ideas rolling around. And then one night, Greg just like called Andre and was like, I got a name. And like they both were cracking up. And that, that was just it. That was just it. That was decided at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so would you mind telling me a little bit about how Deathgrave got together? Sure. It started, well, Andre and I were in a previous band called Bird. And that 
fell apart like bands tend to do. And I was in a situation, well, Greg had, had been trying to do a band with me for a, a long time. And I was always like kind of standoffish. And then Greg was, I was without a band and Greg's like, let's do a band. And I was like, okay, let's do a band. And we did that. And I was like, I really want to play with Andre because he's my boy. And so Andre was involved too. And then we found a drummer. We we jammed with some people and then we found a drummer that was willing to practice. And like, so for Greg, he's playing guitar in a band for the first time. You know, we were doing, we were trying to do something new that none of us had done before when we started it. So it was kind of awkward and it took us like over a year (laughs) before we played a show and really found something we all liked. When you say do something uh, that you guys hadn't done before, do you mean stylistically or do you mean in terms of like playing instruments that you guys weren't that familiar with? More stylistically. Like, for example, I was like, I'm going to play just punk rock all down pick. You know, like I didn't know it was going to turn into a grind band. (laughs) Andre was I guess we were thinking more like rudimentary peni kind of style in terms of the the band. But we weren't really sure what was going to happen with us all. Matt had been in a punk band, but he had he didn't have a lot of experience playing the drums when we first started. So it was like dealing with all of this with this intention to do something that we were excited about, but we weren't exactly sure what that was. <laughs> and as far as the the style that that people associate with Deathgrave, so this this death grind style with the strange time signatures and the the noise elements and things like that. Mm. How long did it take for you guys to to arrive at that? Oh, that's good. I, I'm glad that you noticed those time signatures. I believe there's a there's a nine four on the first song. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'm a weird time time signature guy, so. Oh, that's awesome. Like stuff like that kind of pops. That's so sick. Yeah, Greg just kind of writes that way. Like he he does a lot of the riff writing, and. He, we, we definitely love that, you know, the weird time signatures that still flow and sound almost sound like four four, you know, like they have the flow of four four, but it's super weird and messes with your mind to play, you know. So we were doing that pretty, pretty much off the bat, but definitely since this this new record when we got the new drummer, Clint is all about all those proggy drum beats, you know. So we're definitely more embracing of it now and i should mention uh in case people were wondering that the greg that we're talking about is greg wilkinson yes whose name comes up frequently on this podcast because he's worked in some capacity on a third of the albums or at least a third of the bands that uh that i've spoken to uh as a producer as an engineer in some capacity mixing and mastering bands Yes, and he would he would, he would actually be doing this interview, except that he's uh, taking autopsy right now. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> and and in addition to tracking autopsy, he's also a member of autopsy right now as well, right? Yes, yes. So he just tracked all his bass parts last night, and right now Chris is doing vocals. I can actually he's actually in the background right now. <laughs> Well, send him my regards. I will. 
As far as the music of Deathgrave, you, you mentioned that writing a lot of these these odd time signatures and things like that come naturally to Greg. Is Greg handling most of the songwriting or do you guys write as a group? Yeah, he definitely does most of the riff writing. And then Andre and I come in and definitely compose more like for for how long we do things. They're they're always like, Fern's not going to want to do this for four times. She's going to want to do this like five times or three times. I'm like, yes. <laughs> like So there's like, you know, like the weirder, the better. We all come in and like form the song as as a whole. But uh, Greg can just pull a riff out of his butt at any moment. And then Clint will start jamming on it. And then all of a sudden there's a song. Okay. So... A lot of the riff writing is done by Greg, but the arranging you guys do as a group? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm curious about these these noise elements. And when I say noise elements, I, I think you know what I mean. Like there, there are these discordant riffs that almost sound like, I don't know, like hardcore from, from the early 80s or even, yeah. you know, like weird, like uh, avant-garde classical kind of stuff. Yeah. Where, where does that influence come from? I mean, you're talking about probably all those weird guitar parts, right? Mostly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely, Greg's big influences would be like Butthole Surfers, Wall of Voodoo, Black Flag, in terms of, you know, that weirdo picking and note choice, which is awesome. I love it. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, sometimes getting a hang of, of, things that are not in a conventional scale or in a conventional time signature can be challenging. Uh, do you guys ever have have problems uh, adapting to, to some of these things? No, not really. It all just seems to flow together pretty seamlessly. It's very natural for you guys? Yeah. If it doesn't, we just throw it out. And that, that's really rare, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, within the style of, of what you're doing, I mean rooted in death grind but going in all these different directions is there anything you think Deathgrave wouldn't do Ooh, hmm wouldn't do Let's see we probably wouldn't do a ska riff <laughs> 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 yeah, what else would we not do we probably I, I i would probably put my foot down and on a on a black metal part like hell no i don't know if that makes sense <laughs> How come? I, I just, I'm not a huge fan of, of black metal. I, I like some black metal for sure, but for the most part, I mean, the scene's so problematic and I'd rather listen to surf music. I But of course, some black metal is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm not too into the into it, honestly. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, honestly, that wasn't a, that wasn't an answer I was expecting. Yeah. That's for me personally. So don't ascribe that to the whole band, please. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And as you mentioned, Clint Zane has joined the band recently. Oh, he was in he joined in 2018. In 2018. So was that after the first album came out? Yeah. Or okay. Yeah. It was after the first album came out. Okay. And he, he dramatically approved the band. <laughs> <laughs> In, in what capacity? In what way? Well, for me personally, I just enjoy jamming with Clint. It's, it solidifies the the rhythm section for, for me. Like, I just 
like when he plays, I just, I can feel it in my bones and it's, I get excited. It makes me want to go to practice. It makes me practice on my own. There's just something about the, the way he plays, you know, not only just the absolute insane, you know, technique that he has, but just like the feeling he has as well. And also Clint can do all those weird time signatures. Like, so he opened up a lot of doors for us in terms of that. I mean, he he would play Prague all day if he could. It, it does seem like with this new album, he added some precision to to the percussion, to the to the rhythms. Yeah, it's crazy. Like that boy, you can, you can throw a click track and he's just like, oh, okay, this is cool. And just like blast it. And it's it's so sick. It's great to track to that to that steady metronome that's also full of soul, you know? Like it's so it's 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 a gift.
The second Deathgrave album is called It's Only Midnight. Yep. And it will be released through 10 Crimes on the 14th of April of this year, 2023. Yes. When did you guys actually start working on this album? Ooh, we started working on this album as soon as Clint joined. We started we started writing right away. And it took a couple songs for us to find our our rhythm with Clint, you know, just because it was a new person in the band to find what works to make a sick song. And the first songs we did are good, but the songs we are writing even now, they're just getting better, in my opinion. Did you go into this album wanting to do anything different or wanting to try some new things? Yeah, we definitely wanted to be a little more grind a little more aggressive and a, a little weirder weirder on the other end in terms of the 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 noise elements and you know andre wanted to go more like impetigo and stuff so we, we just just kind of jammed in there that way okay and as far as andre's contributions is is he would you say that he's taking a lot of influence from from one genre or another definitely mostly metal death metal but def- uh, some punk too for sure those those mids he do does and the yells like like his his musical background is extensive he's like a walking encyclopedia of music <laughs> i mean maybe it, it's the the autopsy connection but some of his vocals remind me a little bit of Reifert, except not as, you know, Reifert gets very out there sometimes with his, uh, his flemminess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Andre seems to come from like a, a similar school of like, you know, kind of guttural, not quite a deep growl, not, not quite a, a rasp, but somewhere in between. Yeah, he's definitely influenced by Chris. I remember the first time I went to Maryland Death Fest and I was, I was hanging out with Andre and Chris walked by and Andre like squealed like a little girl. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? And, yeah, and then like Chris walks by, he's like, hi, Andre. And Chris is like, hi. Or Andre's like, hi. And like, I guess Andre <laughs> was pen pals with him when he was like 15. So definitely a big influence. But now that Greg, Greg's in autopsy, Greg, Andre's like, I cannot do that. <laughs> like I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I would judge, but about let's see, nine hours ago, I was speaking to Shane Embry. Oh, sick! Who I had pictures of on my wall for like ten years. So <laughs> <laughs> I definitely, right, I definitely right. understand just, the uh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you never you never lose that fanboyness, even if you're 44 years old. Yeah, and these people are like seminal creatures they're like forces of nature and they still are like shane emery and chris <laughs> reefer they're amazing and they're they're for real they're good people i mean i know chris is anyways i don't know shane emery but i know like they're they're legit yeah better than some priest <laughs> no it's funny because like a lot of these guys and i don't know any of them personally like i, I get to speak to them on this podcast but they came from a time when you know, the separation between the fans and the bands was was so minute, you know. It was basically all a bunch of teenagers writing letters and trading tapes. Totally. Yeah, and so most of them, are, I find, are, are pretty down-to-earth. 
and they've all got some some great stories from from the old days yeah i mean there's something that drew people to metal right like like it was like like hey we're we're aware that we're gonna die and our friends are gonna die and this world's fucked up and like let's get together and have some fun you know like (laughs) with that awareness (laughs) since we were talking about death i know that this isn't your uh your department but do you want to say anything about the the lyrics and some of the themes on on this album oh sure it i mean andre writes most of the lyrics but and he blew it out of the park on this record i'm I'm really proud of him in terms of that but some of them we we collaborate on a little bit and we collaborate on the ideas together for some of them some of them are band jokes that turn into songs but he's definitely overall dealing with like like i would almost say addiction but like you know like the 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 you know the gnarliness of existence and like how you deal with it also he writes these lyrics like he imagine like he's like he's like a cartoon character and he's read so many graphic novels and comics like so a lot of his the lyrics t- take place in this imaginary neighborhood in his mind so like like he's kind of constructed this overall neighborhood and with with both of our records where these things are taking place you know at the bars or on the streets and it comes from like stories he hears from his friends or experiences he's personally had and the artwork kind of like max kind of incorporated that incorporated a lot of elements in there with like the city with these neighborhoods so the album cover with like the big spider that's that's like about to eat the city yeah, it's this, it's this, what do you say, trans-dimensional, like, outer space monster coming in, and this is what we were imagining, and it's, it's, like, fracturing time and space, you know, and, like, it's only midnight, it'll, it'll be perpetually midnight or not, because time and space are, like, like, going away, so it's, it's definitely an otherworldly element, monster coming into this neighborhood. Okay, so the title "It's Only Midnight" refers to time, time uh, standing yeah. still, or time coming to a close. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it, it, we turned it into that. It could be so many things. We had so many ideas with it. It started with like, like Andre and my friend were were I think they were trying to leave or something, and I was like trying to hang out, and they're like, "It's midnight," and I was like, "It's only midnight." <laughs> like that means we got tons of time to party, <laughs> you know, but kind of started with that with us laughing about that and then it turned into whatever it is now <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the recording of the album okay. i'm assuming getting time booked at Earhammer wasn't a problem cut out again oh i'm sorry i made a bad joke and uh, zoom decided to ignore me oh no sorry but or maybe oh but oh but did you say you assume that getting time at Earhammer was easy to do? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was. Uh, imagine that. <laughs> it was actually a time during the pandemic. Oh, you recorded this during the pandemic? We did. I mean, it's still the pandemic. <laughs> but, but yeah, during lockdowns and stuff, we did. Okay. At what point during the pandemic? Well, we started it... Oh, gosh, I feel like a, an idiot. But I think we started it in... 
let's see, it's 2023 now. See, time time is fractured. <laughs> like, like the last three years are a weird blur. I think we started 2020, 2021. We started the drums. Greg was tracking at that point because the studio is a little smaller. Everything was so crazy in terms of you know, an, an airborne virus. So we he was tracking at the Great American Music Hall our friend was the manager and had him so he could track bands there because the ceilings are really high and it's open. It was much safer. So we went there and Clint tracked his drums there. And it was really cool because Greg got microphones like up on the balcony. And so we can get really big overheads on that. And the, the drums sound killer. The drums sound really killer on the recordings he did for slower bands because of that, that, space that they got for that for grindcore i don't know if it was absolutely necessary but it worked (laughs) then we brought the tracks here and greg and i did our parts and then andre did his vocals a couple months later okay as i mentioned uh, a lot of a lot of the bands i i speak to have worked with greg I'm, i'm curious would you say that greg's approach in working with his own band or his own bands is different than when he's working with a client A little bit. Greg is a genuinely nice, creative guy, and and he works with very proficient bands. He definitely has some high standards with with our bands. Like our old record, I definitely cried during tracking. It was like because he was do it again, (laughs) do it again. You know, just like be perfect. But this this record, all of us were so prepared. It was actually really chill. I think he's it's just different in that he's like emotionally and in, more invested. So it was really cool when the day he like did all his guitars, it, it was like so intense. Cause he like practiced and practiced and practiced. And then he tracked and it was sick. Like his performance was really, really good on that. And then he just like laid in the kitchen, just like, yes, like so relieved. He wouldn't do that with a different band. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like, the stakes are higher for him for for Deathgrave than yeah maybe somebody coming in yeah we built this band up from scratch right right so he's definitely invested in it right I'm curious how how would you describe Greg's approach as as an engineer I know a lot of people are very much about capturing the live intensity of a band or some some engineers are just like to hit record and, and capture whatever whatever happens. He definitely isn't the idea of capturing a specific moment and not overworking things like where some some bands will come in. It's 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 kind of it's not common, but they'll come in and then they'll like overthink things and rework things and then change stuff. And then so much that it becomes like a whole and then they like it takes a long time and it kind of sometimes loses the magic of whatever that moment was. Right. They're trying to perfect it but take away that thing that happened there at that moment so he he definitely is into capturing a moment but he's very into like the most important thing is you know the musician's performance and capturing that and so the the primary thing is being prepared when you come in and then but man greg is just really chill he's fun He's, he's, you know, he's, he's not never trying to put anyone down or be mean or anything like that. And he's comfortable to work with. Burn in the place, every 
we spoke a little bit about how the song, how the sound or the style of the band has evolved over the years and what mm-hmm. your new drummer, Clint, has added to the songs. But in terms of production, how do you just, how do you compare It's Only Midnight to the first album? I mean, it, it's a whole new animal for us. Definitely, you can tell it's the same band, but it was like Clint, like I said earlier, is very proficient and excellent drummer. So tra- tracking to that was was great. Like laying laying all the overdubs was kind of a dream because it's it's like you know like it's not rubber banding rhythmic rhythmically or anything. And that gave us, in a way, like a lot more freedom. I don't know to to explore other atom avenues with that that solid rhythm that's there. What else production wise? We did do a little more bass and drum heavy mix than we normally would have done. Like our first mixes were not as drum and bass heavy, and then. Like Clint, like most drummers do, they, he wanted more drums in the mix. So the the drums came really forward, like a grind record, an old school grind record kind of. And it's really fun to listen to. And I, of course, I I was like, wow, the bass is right up there. I can't complain. But you know, maybe next time, personally, I was like a little more vocals and guitars. But that I don't know. If that's what you're even asking. <laughs> 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 you know, actually, it's it's interesting. I I speak to a lot of bands. I don't know if I speak to a lot of bassists. Uh, the bass occupies a, a a strange place in in metal and death metal, especially with the way bands down tune, and then you've also got constant double kick going, and so mm-hmm. a lot of what a bass would do in in other types of rock music, in in death metal, it's either kind of getting stomped on by by the the kick drum, or it's it's getting overshadowed by the by the guitars. For for Deathgrave, what's your approach? W- what would you say the the role of the bass is in in Deathgrave's music? That's a, yeah, it, um, it definitely does get stomped a lot, but I, I, all of us are really integral to the band in my in my opinion so the bass is very integral <laughs> and sure 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 yeah 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 and i mean greg and i are both bass play- players he's like primarily a bass player so we are a bass player band like is it's about those rhythms and the spaces between the notes as much as it is about like the notes so i would say I would say the bass is integral, <laughs> and it, it's a, it's a, an important element to it. <laughs> okay, I'm not sure where else to take that. My brain did a little <laughs> flip. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I and I say this as somebody who who used to play bass, and it was always a challenge, you know, because you don't want to just double up what the guitars are doing, but at the same time, right. a lot of like, you know, playing one you know one note per measure or whatever that the bass does in other types of of music doesn't really work for metal and so you kind of have to find like your own your own way of making it work right yeah a lot of a lot of people in metal play the bass like a guitar 
you know, it's just like, okay, I definitely still like, I, I developed this weird thing with this band, like, because when we started it, we were intent, we were intending to be a punk band. So we're, you know, like, had that intention. And I was like, I'm just gonna down pick everything. And you know, that was going to be new for me, because at first, like the first eight years or 10 years, I played with my fingers. And then like, I was doing regular picking. And then for this, I was like, I'm going to down pick to have that aggressive punk edge. And I still do most of the stuff down picking. So I, I like the way I play is weird. Like, it's like, like, simple, but not, I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) And it's just become like the thing for me for this band. And I like it. Cool. Yeah. The album will be released by Tan Crimes. Why Tan Crimes? Greg has worked with Scotty for so long. Like Greg's been on like, I don't know how many releases, Tan Crimes releases, but like 10 or something like that. And when we were shopping out that first record, you know, sent it like talking about labels and stuff. He sent it to Tank Crimes. I don't think he thought Scotty would bite, but then Scotty got really stoned and like wrote Greg. He's like, this is hella sick. <laughs> and like, and was willing to put it out. And we're like, hell yeah. And and Scotty's like a breeze to work with. I mean, he's, he's a local, he's punk. We've just known him forever. His ethos politically is cool. So yeah, that's why. So by the time people hear this podcast, It's Only Midnight will be out through Tank Crimes. Fern, how can people order the album? What's the best way to get it? I'm assuming they can go to the Tank Crimes website and get the the pre-order. We can also get digital copies off of our Bandcamp. Just hit Deathgrave and Bandcamp. We have a link on our Instagram, which is deathgrave408. And we have like link trees with a bunch of links and they had on there are links for how to get the record. Do you want to say anything about the the vinyl versions that Tank Crimes is putting out? Oh, yeah. They're beautiful. Gosh, I'm going to pat her back and say those vinyl versions look really good. So there's the, the ones that are being distributed like to the record stores. Those look tight they're like smoky and then there's two other variants but yeah i'd say anyone you pick is going to be fine (laughs) they're going to look good hopefully sound good they're they're mastered to go on those turntables like so so they're going to sound good excellent and i understand you guys have some some dates coming up in may yeah we're doing a record release show actually in april april 15th in san jose at an all ages venue which is going to be sick. And then we're doing a, a like a nine day or 10 day run with Necrot Mortiferum in May. Going to go down south into LA, San Diego, Arizona, over down you know Colorado, um, New Mexico, go on up to Salt Lake City and we're doing a date in Reno with Mortiferum and then back to Oakland. And then in July, we're going to do the Pacific Northwest, just us. We'll be going up to Portland and Oregon, or Portland and Washington and Vancouver. Very cool. And if people want to get all the dates for for these upcoming shows, would your Instagram page be the best place to do that? Probably. That's the that's the place we tend to be the most active. Like, I don't think like most of us don't have very much social media. <laughs> like that's that's what we have. And Andre has zero social media, so. 
that's that's the place to do it or Bandcamp. We try to list the shows on there as well. Okay. And I do I do have a question for you. Sure. If that's okay. Yeah. I uh, where where's the the title Dreams of Consciousness come from? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how dark do you want to get? Is it like lucid dreaming and be conscious while dreaming or kind of dreams of people being conscious? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it was a a period in my life when uh, the bottom had fallen out on on a lot of things, and I felt like I was. I was somebody in a coma dreaming, dreaming of trying to dream himself awake, basically. Nice. But I was also, I mean, sorry. I was also doing a lot of writing, which was very bad Huntress Thompson's dream of consciousness kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I kind of put those two things together. Nice. I mean, I'm sorry you were in that dark spot, but hope, hopefully the, the dream has become of reality <laughs> at this point. <laughs> what can I say about a life in which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing Zoom calls with Shane Embry and I'm getting free death metal albums in my inbox, and you know, you know, the new Campbell Corpse album is gonna gonna land in my inbox without me having to do anything for it. I I could complain about a lot of things, but I can't complain about Dreams of Consciousness. It's been it's been very good to me. Well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> There's a lot to complain about in this world. <laughs> uh, I mean, what's the line from The Sopranos? I'd complain, but who'd listen? <laughs> well, you had to complain well, <laughs> critically. People will listen, <laughs> maybe. Is is there anything else you want to say? Uh, no. Oh. Cool. Well, if you see the if you see Chad and the Necrock guys, uh, give them my love. I will. I'll probably see them tonight at the Impaled show. And uh, pass along my regards to Greg. And anytime he wants to spend uh, 40 minutes of incredibly geeky questions about recording music, tell him Tell him I'm here. <laughs> he will be down. He'll be down. He wanted to be here. So then you got stuck with me. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's always good to talk but, to a fellow bassist. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't happen that often on this on this podcast. <laughs> Right on, right on. But yeah, he he'll he, he'll be down. Excellent. Thanks so much, friend. Yeah. Yeah. Take care.
I'd complain, but who'd listen? It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.